0: Welcome to this episode of the KAJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. This is the third part of the special series called the 35 trillion opportunity in the USA. To tell us more about this opportunity in detail, that is about the greatest wealth transfer in history in the USA, let's go to the man himself who is watching this space as closely as possible to profit those who would want to profit from him? We are joined by David Walters, founder and CEO of Steam Powered Consulting. Welcome to the show, David. Hey Jay, thank you. It's a pleasure as always. Thank you, David. Thank you for joining in. So, can you tell us, David, how can one optimize their business to make use of this opportunity?
1: Sure, I'm sorry. If you recall, in, in the last episode, we talked about the strategies that we should implement to increase the value of the business. And we showed that by um, increasing revenue, increasing profit, improving customer satisfaction, reducing non-conformance uh, and, and implementing professional management, we can increase the value of the business by uh, as, as much as a, a factor of 10x. I think we came up with 997% in the way in right. we were through. Now that's applicable to the business owner, um, and obviously, and any business owner would would love to to increase the the value of their of their exit by a factor of ten. But obviously, we're also talking to the potential investor, and the the other way we can leverage this this opportunity for the investor is by um, going in with a strategy to actually do a roll-up and to to grow a much bigger consortia of businesses. Uh, that then would sell for a much higher multiplier, um, and as I said, the sweet spot is um, greater than 10 million in revenue, greater than 20% EBIT. So, what I would propose is that this week we'll do a quick review of the of the techniques we talked through last week, but I'll spend the majority of the time talking about the the more advanced strategies to to go for that high leverage, uh, high value uh, exit. So, if that's okay with you, that's that's what I propose. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So as, as we said, uh, you know, um, we're at a crucial point when something begins to change. And one of the, one of the latest pieces of information we had is that the multiplier, so I've been watching the, uh, the EBITDA multipliers, and for an engineering company in 2021, the average was 8.22 times EBITDA. In Q1 of 2022, this has jumped to 12.6. So a 47% increase in business valuation in q1 of 2022 so so the market's definitely taking off it's definitely heating up so this is an ideal time for an investor to jump in get the business you know go through that process of optimization go through the m a process build the high value product and then and then when it's ready um offer it to a private equity uh, or a family office so so that's the, the part of the system i want to focus on today okay 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 so let me uh, let me go into the presentation. Um, and as we said in, in previous presentation, we said that, that there are several ways you can benefit. You can optimise your own business, and as we showed last week, you can get a a 10x improvement simply by working um, on your own business. Uh, for people who are in who are interested in um, in actually making this a business, they can become an exit in, uh, become an exit investor, or they can co consult with me. I'm always happy to partner with people who who want to work on opportunities. But the two really that we're looking at here are the business flipping um and the and the roll-up and this is the these are the two that i think would be uh most applicable for an indian investor the 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 high value roll-up or the business flipping and obviously the business flipping would also be appropriate for the for the owner of the existing business to optimize it and then sell out Um, but there are techniques for the investor how they can actually get into the business (laughs) Uh, business flipping process with no money out of pocket and that's another strategy that we can help people learn so today we'll focus on really preparing for that high value uh, pe buyout that's what i want to focus on great okay so if you remember last time we talked about why should we systematize well systematization is the very first step in implementing professional management and as we said if you build a growth engine so you can predictably grow your sales and you implement the business operating system, your business is then scalable. You're not gonna be restricted in either growth or the ability to fulfill the sales that you make um, through business inefficiency. So you're ready to scale, which is the first step in professional management. Okay. Okay. Once you get into that process, once you're able to scale, we now want to be looking at, as you go through that process, what do we need to do uh, for the high profit business exit strategy? And it's a seven step process. So the first thing is to come up with a strategy. How do you want to to do this? Then we go through the six optimization efforts. Maximize revenue. Again, this is another iteration of the predictable growth engine, but this is where we're talking about building that uh, that path and on of profit. Maximize profit, reduce your your costs and and look for opportunities to, to take waste and inefficiency out of the business. Improve customer experience. Then look at the business model, and I'll, I'll go into this in more detail, because the way you model your business um, or the model that you go after can have dramatic effects on your profitability. And then business structure and m a expansion. These really two, two go together because it is, it is appropriate to, to restructure your business for optimum performance in preparation for the MA phase, which is the, the ultimate goal to maximize revenue before the buyout. So just to run quickly, we saw these slides last week, but this just very quickly talks about the benefits of becoming scalable. So initially, with an owner-centric business that's not professionally managed, uh, $2 million of revenue, 15% margin, we would be looking at uh, an SDE of 300,000 with the latest multipliers. That would give the business a valuation of 3.7 million, which is an increase of, of over 400%. So the difference between being an owner-centric business and being a professionally managed business can be as much as 400% without any any increase in sales, without any increase in business revenue, just by implementing that professional management because the the buyer is comfortable that the business will survive once the the owner has left. So that's the first step. That gets gets us ready to embark on the high-value exit. Um, Now we're going to these breakout strategies. We talked about this last time. Maximize the revenue. So build this profit path and on use a predictable growth engine to develop multiple sales channels. And if you can do that to create twenty six percent year on year growth over three years, that's a hundred percent increase in revenue. That hundred percent increase in revenue would give your EBITDA would bring your EBITDA up to six hundred thousand, which means that the business is now valued at seven and a half million. So that's eight hundred and forty percent increase since you did the first baseline. Uh, baseline analysis. then we look at profit maximization and again we talked about minimizing non-conformance costs and we showed how dramatic by simply reducing our non-conformances by fifty uh, percent going from four percent to two percent, we can take our business now uh, up to eight and a half million so adding adding eight hundred thousand dollars or sorry not adding recovering $800,000 of profit that we would have lost to non-conformance at a 12X multiplier and some million dollars in value to the business. Okay, so again, this is an internal function. It's one that the the business owner can execute if he so wishes. Then we come to the last of the the internal strategies, and this is where we talked about the um, net promoter score. And we showed that with a 7% increase in NPS, we see, and this is research done by the the LSE, the London School of Economics, a 7% increase in NPS score gives us a 1% increase in revenue. Okay, So good customer experience uh, includes social proof proof advocacy and referrals. So that's another benefit of having good good customer satisfaction. And then if we do this analysis, uh, assume that we have an NPS of zero and we take it to 28, that would increase our revenue by 4%. That adds $32,000 of profit, which then increases us to 8.9 million. So that's, that's where we get our 10x. And if you think about it, all of these improvements we've done have been internal to the company. We haven't had to do any major external strategic acquisitions. This is all internal improvements to our existing business. So this would be where a, a business owner could say, okay, I'm happy, I've got this far, I now know where I need to get to. I've got a 10X improvement on my on my exit value. That's enough for me. I'm ready to exit. And now we would then go into the process of, of getting the business ready to sell. So this is where for an existing business owner, they could say, I've done enough. I've got the value I'm looking for. I now need to go and put this business uh, on the market and, and negotiate the sale. But for those who want to become uh, investors in this program, then this is where we need to get more strategic so that the rest of this presentation will look at the, the strategic things that uh, an investor would want to do to really maximize the value of their program. So right. we spoke we spoke before about uh, working in your business. So when somebody be, first starts a business, they're, they're working in the business, they have a job, they're effectively their own employee. Um, we spoke about Michael Gerber, who wrote the E-Myth, which teaches people how to become a business owner and work on the business and now what we want to do for the investor um, is to show them how or uh, the business owner who wants to to go the whole you know, the whole way but for an investor this is how we would be working above the business or working over the business to maximize the asset value in preparation for a high value sale so we've all heard of the hockey stick principle. This is commonly taught in many, many business schools. And it says when you first start out, you're tinkering around, you're trying to get sorted out, you're trying to get your traction. I and mean, this, this maps across to the uh, to the entrepreneur's life cycle that we spoke about. But then you start to get that growth. Surge. So at this point is where we'd say you'd be implementing your predictable growth engine. You would then get that growth surge. And if you implement your um your uh, business operating system you will not be you will not be limited by back end inefficiency so this should continue in a straight line and life should be wonderful this has been taught for years and years and years in business schools this is the standard model that most organizations look to unfortunately recent research by the uh, mckenzie institute has shown that this is actually incorrect so they have done research and what they've showed is that the the reality is, people who plan on the hockey stick, so they, they say, okay, this year we're gonna get the breakout, and they, they have a strategic plan that will take them through 2011. They don't make it, so they plan for the next year. We're gonna get the breakout next year. Then they plan for the year after that. Then they plan for the year, then they plan for the Now, if you look at this, this looks remarkably like that flat line part of the uh, of the entrepreneur's journey tending to that downward death spiral that actually becomes the the legacy and the death spiral. And you can see what's happening. The business owner is struggling. He's been trying now for four or five years to hit that breakout with his hockey stick. Um, He hasn't achieved the breakout and he's now getting frustrated. He's doing the same thing over and over again. So he's becoming a legacy player, but it's it's beginning to have a detrimental effect. And this will actually then accelerate through the legacy zombie and eventually into the death spiral. So what McKinsey said is that the hockey stick is a nice model to start with, but in reality, it's no way for long-term, long-term business growth. So what the, what, the, uh, what the McKinsey company came up with was uh, new research called the strategy beyond the hockey stick. And what they said in this strategy is actually business looks like this. 60% of businesses are flat lined, okay? And the reality is they're all going to sit on this flat line somewhere. 20% of businesses actually manage to achieve the breakout. Okay. And then 20% of businesses are in that death spiral. Okay. Okay. So this is what the McKenzie company came up with. And this ties in very nicely with what um, Jim Collins uh, wrote about in his book, From Good to Great. He said, you know, to get this breakout, you need to be doing 10% better than your market um, on a three-year, you know, three-year basis. So if, if your performance is 10% better than the average for your niche, then you are a good-to-great company. You're in this breakout, and this is where the hyper growth and the hyper value comes. So what we need to be thinking about is not how do I how do I get this hockey stick to work, but how do I get this breakout to work, and that's what we talk about in the high-value exit strategy we want to be focusing and strategizing to get that breakout to give us this high value uh, high value product yeah so uh, i mentioned this last time uh, but it's yes. this, this is the exact this is a great example of what we just saw so so here you know what what could jeff bezos doing you know his flat line was still impressive you know his flat line was still bringing in 5 million dollars worth of profit well, sorry 5 billion dollars worth of profit but he wanted more. So what he said, and, and again, if you look at it at the time, this was 2006, he had Amazon, he was shipping packages, um, but he wanted to get that breakout. So rather than do more of what he was already doing, he did something very different. He created two new products, fulfilled by Amazon and Amazon Web Services. As I showed you in this business week report, this was 2006, Wall Street didn't want him to go this way. Wall Street set you a the, the analysis from Wall, Wall Street was it's a risky bet, just stay shipping, you know, stay mind I think the, the, the statement was uh, they would prefer it if he just minded the store and they didn't want him to make the risky bet. Well, did it pay off for him? His net sales for Amazon in the US was 146 billion. He was making $7 billion worth of profit, so about 5% profit on his US operation. His global market, global business was doing 66 billion and he was making a $2 billion loss. So when you combine his his package service, he's doing $212 billion worth of sales for $5 billion worth of profit. So his profit rate is about two and a half percent. He then set up Amazon Web Services, which generated $26 billion worth of revenue. So about 10% of what he was doing through his package business. But if you look at the the profitability, his Amazon Web Services was running at 7.4 billion, okay? So that's almost um, 25%, that's that's between 20, 25%. So here, from $212 billion worth of revenue, he was bringing in $5 billion worth of profit. From $26 billion worth of revenue, he was bringing in 7.4. So that's a huge boost. So that's how you get onto that hyper growth part of the curve. You don't keep tinkering around with what you've been doing in the past. You need some sort of strategic breakout. And that's the next part of this strategy for those investors who really want to go to to push to that $10 million worth of ARR to push for the PE buyout. These are the strategies that you need to think about. So the first thing is you need to look at your business structure. And if necessary, you need to restructure the business to um, to give you the ability to protect your assets, but then sell off those assets that you have, or create new opportunities. Um, and each of these, then you can be very flexible. So, so you have the holding company, you have the main company, which is the, the place you start. This is um, this is owned by you know whoever the team is. So yourself, you can own it as a trust or a corporation, you may have business partners, you may have investors, these all own the holding company. From the holding company, you then look at the assets that you have and you look at how can you separate them to maximize value. So in this case, you have protected your intellectual property as a a separate entity. So you could sell off parts of the business and still control the IP. And I know that when I worked in the corporate world, one of the things we were part of the multinational, when we got taken over, they, they bought out our IP, and then every year we had to pay back to license that IP. So it was another revenue stream for the parent company uh, to, for us to license back the intellectual property. You have your primary business opportunity, which is what you're using as your springboard for this vertical roller. And then you can have your, your shared services, Okay. So media, financial team, sales team, human resources, all of these go into a shared services company that can then serve all of your other opportunities. So this is a way of optimizing your profit. You don't need a sales team, a financial team, a HR team, an admin team for each of your opportunities. These just become straight operating companies served by your shared services group, okay? The shared services group is also a profit center because they're getting paid from all of these other subordinate opportunity companies. So well you, you can call these uh, SPBs special project vehicle companies set up specifically to exploit a new opportunity. So this so this one could be a new product line, but because it's a new product line, it might have more liability. so to protect the primary business, you spin it off as a separate company. It could have you um, could be going into a new territory. So you create uh, an opportunity business specifically geared up for that new territory. And then you can have your profit maximizer company, which is a high value company that these can all feed into. But each of these can have their own uh, cap tables. They can have their own board of advisors. So you can spin off all of these extra, um, potentially higher risk, higher value businesses without threatening your primary business and without threatening the value that you have uh, in your holding company yourself. so so this is one of the things that an investor would want to consider in preparing for that high value uh, roll-up. Okay. Okay. So this is the phase called business structuring. Okay. Then, as we talked about, and you've you've seen this one before, this is the M and A acquisition. So this is the first step in deciding where you want to go on the M and A journey. And we said start with the E to P exercise. Look at all of your look at your top seven expenses and see if you can turn them into profit centers. And if you can turn them into profit centers, are they worth spinning up as separate businesses that you could then sell to other people? So would it sell and can it become recurring revenue? So for example, we talked about uh, on the previous slide, we looked at the the shared services company. So payroll, lead generation, event management, content creation could all come from that shared services company. And you could sell that, That's, that's a whole new profit line. from from what you were already seeing as a cost center in the original business. Inventory management, you could sell off as a a new uh, product. And then uh, fulfillment and facilities. All of these could be set up as separate profit centers to maximize the value of your business. So rather than having something as a sunk asset that's just a a liability or a sunk cost, you can actually turn them into active profit centers. And the restructuring model that we, we discussed earlier is a prerequisite to this stage, and then just to give you an idea, um, looking at that sweet spot. So if somebody's somebody's considering going into the uh, into that the M and A process. This you know this top end strategy uh, for the for the roll up. The goal is to get to ten million dollars of annual recurring revenue and greater than twenty percent EBITDA. When you get to that point, you become very attractive to the private equity companies, to the family offices. And this is where you can see, and as I said, when, when, the, when the ARR increases uh, beyond 10 million, the valuation factor, I looked at this for engineering companies, in the 3 to 10 million range, the, um, the, the valuation, these are 2021 figures, the average valuation was uh, 7.3. When you go beyond 10 million, it jumped to 10.7. So 47% increase in valuation because you are now a more valuable asset You've obviously got things right because you've been able to get to $10 dollars of revenue and it's a much more valuable business for the marketplace to, to consider. So these are the, so these are the things that you would want to look at if you are coming in as an investor and you want the high value uh, you want to exploit the high value opportunities. So how can we how can we leverage this? Well if you are an existing business owner, then I would recommend the business flipper model. Uh, so you you have a business, so you have your own business, uh, you're in that one to five million range, optimize it, resell it, and you can uh, you can get a 10x improvement in valuation just by working on optimizing being, the existing business. If you want to approach this as a business flipper, same process, you look for a business in the one to five million uh, annual revenue range, optimize it, resell it, and you can actually uh, that there are strategies that we have for um, buying businesses with no money out of pocket. So that could be something of interest to somebody who is looking to become a business flipper. And then the third alternative, and again this is uh, this is for the serious investor, would be the roll-up. So you buy a business, you create that 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 operating company, and then you use that as the springboard to buy other businesses and optimize them to give you that high value resale. So achieving a minimum of $10 million of annual recurring revenue, better than 20% EBITDA, and then you have a high value exit for about three years worth of work. So so the the three ways that we can use this strategy for an existing business owner, optimize your own business by working on your business, um, and you can achieve a 10X improvement, but you don't need to go through all the hassle of the um, of the MA of the you know the, the high value high risk play. if you're an investor you may want to come in quick buy a business optimize it flip it so the business flipper would be uh, would be a, an opportunity there or if you want to be a longer term investor then the vertical roller buy a business use that as the basis for um, absorbing um, other businesses that are the that are sensible to buy into your uh, into your group and then get that value beyond 10 million, and then the, the, the final value springboards, uh, as I said, by about 47%. So, so those are the ways that this, the system that we've talked about for the last three weeks can be leveraged to increase the value for both the existing business owner and the potential external investor. So, um, so that's everything I had. Um, are there any questions, AJ? Was there anything
0: that you want to go into a bit deeper? Yeah, there, uh, all I can say is that there is a lot of money. And uh, how is it that American businesses own business owners are not able to see that their business are on the verge of getting wiped out if they are not able to take uh, decisions of bringing in professional people, bringing in value investors into their business at the right time? That is one part I am seeing, and I am at the moment trying to understand uh, that the amount of interest that should be there, it is missing out in the market. Why is it so? And how do we actually get people understand it? Apart from bringing them, educate them, bring to them the type type of opportunity that is there. I mean that's a very good point. So I, I think one of the one of the
1: issues is, you know, as a business owner, especially if, if it's if it's an owner centric business, which many small businesses are you know the 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 break point to go from a tribal business to a corporate business is between 25 and 30 staff so if you look at the psychology of leadership you can manage a team of about 25 people on a tribal basis it's done by corporate experience it's done by one-to-one connection so you can you can hold together a group of 25 people uh, through tribal leadership beyond that you have to start putting into place um, plans and procedures, processes, corporate management structures, and that will take you up to about 150. So you can man- manage 150 people through a, a, a corporate or a business operating system, and then beyond 150, you then need to get really corporate, and you're looking at divisions and different management structures, whatever. But the majority of small businesses are still in that, you know, 25. Uh, 25, 30 people ratio. So that's why it's still the business is still functioning as a business, as an owner-centric business. Everything's going fine. The business owner may be having, maybe struggling with that with that failed hockey curve type strategy, but they still haven't perceived that they're in that downward death spiral. So they're working in the business. Um, they're they're trying to work on the business with not much success. They're busy on the day-to-day because they've built the business around them. They haven't given themselves the time to stop and raise their head up and look at what's happening. Okay. And they, all, they assume the assumption by many business owners is I've put my life's work into this business. I've sweated over this 40, 50, 60 hours a week for the last 15 or 20 years. This is worth a lot to me. When I come to sell it, it will be worth a lot to whoever buys it because my perception of the value and your perception of the value are completely different. I'm thinking about the the 20 years of blood, sweat and tears that I put in to keep that business going. You're thinking about, if I'm gonna put a million dollars down here, am I gonna get return on my investment? Two very, very different mindsets. And that's why the business owners are are not
0: seeing the risk that's that's rapidly coming towards them. Okay. From an Indian point of view, from Indian people who have the money and who can invest, how do you think, David, is that what is, the right fit for them, because see if it's an individual, then an individual who has money, but may not have a big big business existing here, but may find the right fit, but he will have uh, a certain degree of apprehension of getting into a business that too in a faraway land. The second is that people who are in established businesses who have right fit in terms of companies there. Now, how do, they get that confidence that moving out or whatever money is there with them is not at risk. This is where you come in. You have got certain degree of expertise. You have got a huge you know, background which can bring in a lot of confidence as a charter engineer working in a submarine. So how does it work out for them? So so
1: there will be two, two, two things I would recommend. If, if somebody is serious about making a uh, an investment in the US and they don't have a prior business what they what they must do is get a management team in the country or in the area they want to invest who they can then work with to help them with the with the with the discovery with the analysis with the decision making um because trying to manage something like this from several thousand miles away is not going to work you need that on the yeah. ground understanding yeah. so, right. so for for a um for a serious Indian investor, they should establish a, uh, a local corporation with the management office, somebody that is a trusted, uh, a trusted agent for them, and then connect with a management company that will help them go through the process of discovering a business, identifying whether it's a good business to buy, making that initial purchase, and, then, um, and, and before that, the investor really needs to think through, do they want to flip the business for a fast profit? Or do they, are they buying long-term value? Um, because that would change the strategy as to which would be an ideal business to start with. Okay. For, the, for the Indian company that's already in business in a particular niche, then obviously they would, it would make a lot of sense for them to leverage their own experience, their own skill set. Um, and one of the things in that situation which also can increase value is labor arbitrage. So if you already have a company that's doing business, um, and especially where it's in, you know, uh, information and intelligence, um, you could then set up your uh, local operation, look for a business that's in the same niche or the same service area that you are currently serving, buy that business, and then one of the optimization, one of the early optimizations would be labor arbitrage, um, and then you can look at uh, expanding that business again, either to simply create a, a local footprint to, to bring business back to the, uh, the Indian parent company, or you can, um, you can use that for business flipping. You know, If you've already got an existing company that's, that's viable and successful in India, I would suggest you know, business flipping is probably not your best strategy. Uh, buy a business that then gives you a footprint uh, in the US and then use that to exploit labor arbitrage would be a sensible, a sensible
0: strategy, in my opinion. Great, great. So my final question here is, uh, David, how can people who want to do business with the USA uh, get somebody like you to handhold them? How do they contact you?
1: Uh, my, my LinkedIn profile, uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. And also I think I, I gave you my, uh, my email address. I'm more than yes. happy if anybody wants to connect me by email, uh, we can have a chat and just, just explore the opportunities. Um, But the point I would make is, you know, we are seeing this market heat up. So people are becoming aware of the opportunity and, you know, a 47 percent increase in business valuation between 2021 and 2022 is clear indication that this market is now heating up.
0: Great. I'll include some of the information that you shared with me uh, onto the YouTube description so that people are able to click there and reach you in that manner. Obviously, your LinkedIn page is there. So that too will be there. So with this lot of learning and information, it's a wrap on this edition of the KJ Masterclass.